listening to Mastering Retention, presented by UserWise. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to today's episode of the Mastering Retention podcast. Uh, to deli- today, I am delighted to have Chris Hong on with us. Uh, we're talking about uh, kind of all things live ops and tools and, and automation of live ops and stuff, which is, you know, as, as the founder of UserWise, uh, something that is very near and dear to my heart. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited for this episode. You know, Chris, you've been doing this for a really long time. Uh, at a handful of different companies and stuff. Uh, but, you know, before we dive into everything, I always like to ask, you know, what's your story? Like, how did you end up in Helsinki at Metacore working in games? Okay. Hello. Yeah. Thank you very much for uh, having me in this awesome podcast. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, I, I, I listened to uh, several episodes. Uh, and I found out it's really useful. It's very great, uh, great to share and understand how the others are doing. So yeah, I think it's really not really cool. So yeah, anyway, so uh, yeah, let's go back to the, the question. It's like, uh, my story is like, a, mm, I uh, honestly never expect to be in the game industry me too me too <laughs> yeah it's like uh, it was really accident uh i learned the, the programming quite uh when i was quite young uh it, but it was 1980s so i didn't know there was a the job of programming or job even job of uh, game development so <laughs> it's like uh, i never expected and yeah even when i was at university actually uh, I was doing some uh, tuition teaching the, the high school students and and that was quite a common, quite um, popular in Korea uh, for the university students to make uh, pocket money. <laughs> and yeah, I was also doing that, but uh, somehow I got fired. Uh, there's a long story about that, but yeah, let's skip that. So anyway, I got fired and I wanted to make uh, money uh, for my own uh yeah uh the pocket money and and then yeah just i was playing some uh online text-based mud games during that days and yeah one day i just uh yeah noticed uh they they were looking for some uh some people to help them yeah it was not actually the programming position but it was a kind of a just scripting the game and just helping out the developers to uh make uh, uh make everything uh work a bit smoother in the development and yeah just, just i thought it, it could be cool because it's like uh, i was not doing anything besides going to school and come back home and you know I, it was quite boring days and yeah let's just i thought like a, let's just try it's like a, it's game so it yeah. could be fun or something like that and and so yeah i went to the company and i asked them yeah i'm a still university student are you still okay then yeah just everything happened yeah i worked there for almost a year and yeah suddenly i found out it's quite fun yeah it was (laughs) starting just from fun because the money was really small and and it was not not enough for even for my lunchtime uh, uh some yeah fun but yeah it was okay uh and then uh just a year later yeah uh, i came out the, the company and i found out some of my 
friends uh, also have some interesting in the game development. And yeah, we thought like, okay, this can be something. And actually at that moment, we didn't expect to be in the game industry, but it's like, uh, because there was not many game companies in Korea uh, during the early 1990s. And, and just like uh, we just accidentally agreed to start the, the studio. So it was just one day, it's like a suddenly, yeah, just during the, the chit chat. And yeah, what about we can do by ourselves? It's like, yeah, we don't need to yeah, talk to anyone. Yeah, it's like, a, we don't need to rely to someone else. Yeah, maybe we can do it. And, and yeah, yeah, we just did it. Uh, no, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, I also cannot remember the details of what happened. It, it took quite a long time because these days, isn't it? Like uh, you, re- when you open the company, <laughs> you register the company, you just go into the website and you can do something. But during that day, everything was on the paper, and you need to, yeah, run uh, to the some off different offices and especially the eastern countries it's like uh if you are just only 20 and and if you go to the 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 office the public office and yeah ask okay i'm going to open the the company then everyone was looking like hey who are you what are you going to do yeah don't cheat it (laughs) it's yeah it's 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 not a not uh just school work or is it's it's, this is not a just just playground so yeah, go back home and yeah, I actually heard a lot of times of that and yeah, but yeah, somehow at the end, yeah, uh, I run that company for almost 10 years. Yeah, and that was the beginning. And after that, I don't know, it's like a, there was no chance to run away from this game development and yeah, somehow <laughs> almost 30 years, I'm still here. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. What kind of games did you guys make at your studio? Uh, the first game was uh, mo- uh, the very simple multiplayer shooting games. It was uh, there was uh, some tanks, uh, some vehicles on the ground, and they shoot each other. I think maybe you can uh, image like a world of tanks. Yeah. But the difference is world of tanks uh, is uh, 3D, but uh, mm-hmm. my game was uh, just 2D, yeah, top-down view, and yeah, it was quite simple, but it was quite fun. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, you know, back in the days, we had this uh, computer class in like high school, junior high, where once you got done with your like typing and learning and stuff, then you got to go play the flash games and stuff. And yeah, there were some fun 2D tank games that I played that were, you know, pretty awesome. That's great. Um, yeah. And then you kind of continue doing that at uh, a lot of different places for, for yeah, almost 30 years. That's incredible. You might be my most uh, experienced guest that I've had on here. So oh, really? that's, that's that exciting. means I'm, quite, I'm the most old, uh, elder people. <laughs> yeah. We use the word experience as I start to get older, you know? <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I, I know it's like uh, the age is not, uh, not everything is like uh, the, yeah. Even from your uh, another episode i i learned quite a lot from the others it's like uh, because everyone has a different experience yeah even these days uh, i'm still working on the the the, the backend development but it's like a, it, i i think it's getting more and more complicated and wider you need to know mm-hmm. and understand and and yeah it's getting more uh um, yeah difficult to keep your sense in your track 
with your career. So yeah, I think the the sometimes aging is not that quite uh, the big topic. Mostly is like uh, how much YouTube you watched or how <laughs> how many pages of uh, the tutorials from the Amazon or Google you read. <laughs> I think that's more getting more important these days. Well, you know, uh, one of my buddies asked me like. Tom, like, how do you know so much about these things? And I said, well, you know, uh, you know, unlike you, you know, you've been working on this game for like five years running it and, and you're killing it and stuff. Right. But I get to talk to all these amazing people in all these different genres and all these different studios, like every single week. And I get to ask them any, any question, really, I'm like the, the, the best person, uh, for the podcast. Cause I learned so much just getting to like talk and ask all these questions and stuff. So it's, it's really awesome. Um, so yeah, you know, I think there's so many different things and I think it's kind of like an ever expanding amount of knowledge. Like it's hard even within a single studio to kind of gain all the knowledge, let alone, you know, the industry as a whole. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to, uh, to share some, some knowledge and stuff on that note, you know, should we, uh, dive into some, some things live ops? Sure. Good. Awesome. So, uh, one thing that, you know, you've kind of talked about a little bit is this idea. Well, okay. Before we get there, live ops, what does that actually mean to you, Chris? Uh, for me, the live ops, uh, because I'm more close to the technology side, not the, the service itself, but uh, the, the, the live ops for me is like uh, just trying to keep uh, our service as a uh, uh, live stage, but it's it's not only life or death. It's like a, more like a, a we are trying to uh, satisfy the customers more with the better quality of the, the service. So mm-hmm. yeah, we are uh, providing the games. But isn't it's like uh, everyone knows the game. Everyone has a lot of different types of game. And but it's like uh, if you want to keep the the customers, uh, the player. We some some people say players, but I want to say customer because uh, the game is not only the game these days. As you know, uh, we uh, consume the the. Uh, some uh, kind of a culture and the t- our own effort with the games and sometimes we just we do something more with the rules beside the, the beside the rules of the games something like that so yeah so yeah play, people are doing a lot of things around the the, the service and yeah uh, keeping up the service to run together with the players that I think that's uh, kind of a uh, live ops. I always like to think of it as, you know, just games being such a hit driven business. It's almost easier and more cost effective to maximize the the value of your hit, um, you know, by continually delivering new experiences and content to the players that really love that game so that hopefully they keep coming back to the game for a longer period of time. And hopefully when they come back, they're actually doing some sort of monetization activities so that that covers the cost of creating that content and such. Um, So to my first question, which I diverted from, you've talked about this idea of automated live ops. And I'm I'm really curious, what does that actually mean? Actually is okay. Uh, this this automation is not hundred percent automated automation. <laughs> it's it's a, a kind of a half a way. It's like a, a how we can reduce uh, the human effort and human mistakes. 
and how we can uh, try to uh, make the best productivities of the, the life service. Yeah, so it's like uh, uh, the automating, it's, it's not going to automate uh, the actual operations of uh, all the, the, the live ops uh, related, but it's more like uh, uh, it's, it's going to give uh, some kind of uh, support and assistance to the, uh, the people who run the uh, live ops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like an example, isn't it? like a, 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 a automated vehicles. Uh, yeah, autopilot system is, uh, yeah, we are expecting the full automated auto, autopilot for the, the vehicles, but actually we are not there yet. And yeah, still personally, I'm a bit afraid on that because it's <laughs> yeah, uh, like uh, I want to control by myself. Uh, I, I think that's quite a nature of the human. So if, even the live ops, yes, uh, the people want to control by themselves, but this automation is going to support and help the people to uh, work in a better productivity, in a better uh, way, or try to reduce the risk, or try to bring it out what uh, can be mistake from the people, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of mentioned in the live ops, there are a lot of human effort or efforts that kind of go into those. What are some of those kind of efforts? Like, what do people actually have to do to be able to operate, you know, your game as a service? Uh, I think the most thing is uh, uh, to bring it more contents into the game and try to upgrade your uh, your game system to... uh, to satisfy the people who already know how to play the game, probably we can uh, bring it in some kind of uh, surprisings or yeah, maybe new contents, new items, new quests, and yeah, new things into the game. Yes, uh, yeah. So quite a lot of people are working on that, and and also it's like, uh, isn't it? it's like there's a if there is a, some bugs or if there is some some something we need to update. Yes, we also. Uh, trying to, uh, yeah, uh, work on that some technical side of uh, the the yeah technical yeah perspective of uh, the system also. Yeah. So you know of those different you know things, I hear you know maybe like client updates for new features, maybe offers, time limited events in-game messages, whether you're sending something to the mailbox so that players know, hey, this thing's going on or whatnot. Um, lots, lots of things that could go on. Um, you know, where are some potential spots that errors could happen? Like, you know, do you have any examples of, of an error that you've seen happen in the past? Yes. Uh, I also made uh, one big mistake last time. It's like, uh, uh, isn't it? It's like uh, when we run the game service, uh, usually these days it's not for some some specific uh, country or area and it's mostly for the global service and yeah example uh, one big example was like a, a mistake a mistyping of the time <laughs> it's like okay uh, just it was very simple it's like okay uh, I wanted to start the event from some specific time but yeah I miscalculate the time difference. And then, yeah, I, I, 
mistake to put in the, some wrong numbers and suddenly yeah the event started uh, two hours earlier than expected mm. <laughs> yeah so have that you... kind of a very small yeah the, the mistake can be happen anytime yeah have you uh, been able to fix and prevent you know an error like that or you know is is changing the the time uh, something that you can't really prevent uh, I don't know. I think it's more depending on the, the how uh, we want uh, to lead the players uh, to enjoy the game. Uh, that kind of a mistake, I think, uh, I, I don't know. I haven't decided that days, but it's like uh, I, I uh, suggest to keep that uh, just and then change the message like, uh, okay, the two hours earlier was uh, surprising <laughs> to the players, something like that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but anyway, it's like, uh, yeah, we can uh, fix or we can change the, yeah, uh, all, everything in the game. Uh, but sometimes it's just like uh, the, 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 if something is going on or if something is already live, it will be very difficult to yeah, uh, roll back or yeah, go back to the the, the previous stage. Uh, yeah. And I think it's not a good idea for the players because uh, they already know, they already found out. Yeah, so <laughs> I think I think the more important thing is uh, we have to keep our humors and some kind of a, a nice wording to <laughs> yeah make it beautiful. What we even made a mistake. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I was more thinking in the future. So funnily enough, uh, we actually had um, one of the studios that uses the UserWise uh, Live Ops management platform have actually a similar error where you know we allow you to schedule things either in player local time or in UTC time. And so initially it was just one of those two. And so they picked UTC, but they, they scheduled it and they forgot that the uh we'd had daylight savings time and so it started like an hour early um so now what we've done is when you schedule in utc we give you an additional field where you can actually pick the times to schedule in so for me i would schedule in cst because i know that i want it to begin actually at 5 p.m central and then when we save it on the server we actually just save it as utc and do that conversion for you so trying to eliminate that you know, potential human error of calculating the time zone difference wrong. Um, is, is that kind of a, a good example of how, you know, you might have an error happen. Now we can kind of streamline this to hopefully reduce that error in the future. Yeah, I think that's a really good. Uh, and if there is a more uh, better uh, UI or some kind of a, uh, explanation on the, the, the visual, visual uh yeah explanation then i think that will be also a good idea like for example when you try to create uh, some kind of a meeting in some google calendar or yeah outlook calendar yeah you can mm -hmm. see yeah all uh, some options yep. yeah to check okay uh, what, what is the local time for the different areas the different countries or something like that and and yeah uh, if you can make it clear to uh, show up to the the player or user then I think that that's the most best yeah cool so you know it sounds super interesting um, what kind of live ops tech like you know I we have a lot of uh, game studios of, of different sizes and, and different stages and stuff. 
um, for, you know, maybe some of our newer folks or, you know, folks that haven't necessarily worked at really big companies that maybe have stuff in house. Um, you know, this idea of live ops probably sounds pretty cool. They've heard it talked about a lot, but um, what sort of tech would I actually need to be able to support this idea of live ops? Like, is it as simple as I, I hard coded in my clients like a month before and I just like have it timed out in there or, you know, is there something different or are there like in between stages, you know, what would you need at like a minimal amount to be able to do live ops? Okay, uh, very tough question uh, <laughs> because uh, the, the every all the studio has their own tech base or uh, tech experience. So uh, I think there's no single uh, structure or stack for the tech uh, live ops tech, uh, at especially these days. Uh, yeah. 20, 30 years ago, when I was starting the, the my first game, yeah, everything was quite easy. Yeah, during that day. Yeah, because there was no cloud, there was no, even there was no Linux at the beginning, I remember. Yeah, uh, there was no Windows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so uh, something like that. But these days, yes, there's a lot of different uh, tech and but I think uh, just if you know uh, popular uh, program languages and the text, uh, what you can run the, the services, then I think that's quite enough. Yes. Well, maybe reframing the question a little bit, like what sort of features or things, you know, would I need uh, to be able to do those? So like what, what sort of services, I guess, are you talking about? Okay, uh, for the live ops, uh, I, I think there's a quite, live ops itself is quite broad wide and uh, there's a lot of things are uh, already there. So it's not easy to say with one single word, but uh, from my view, uh, there's are several different areas of the live ops. Like uh, uh, one is uh, the, the game backend. So it's, go it's going to run some feature of the games uh, it will uh, interact with the game itself to uh, the, to make the, the player to play the uh, play the actual games. Mm -hmm. uh, that area is, I think, uh, yeah, it, we cannot define one single technology because uh, all the, the company has their own tech base. Uh, yeah. Here in Finland, the Supercell and Rovio and the other studios, yeah, even in Metacore here, uh, we have our own uh, different uh, architecture and systems. So it's very different. Uh, but uh, if we go to the, the service area, uh, like uh, there's a service backend, uh, it's, it's like an example, uh, when you are doing your uh, online uh, internet uh, banking service, then yeah, they, they need some kind of a system to run uh, behind the, the, the screen, is it? And yeah, that kind of a service, there's a lot of uh, different services. And, and these days I think uh, it's mostly quite close to the, the cloud and infrastructure, what we have, uh, example, like uh, uh, Amazon and Google. If you are running the services on the, some specific cloud service, then a, uh, uh, I guess you may need uh, you may use uh, 
the technology, quite a lot of technology from the, the cloud service provider. So yeah, uh, you have to uh, find out what will be the best fit for the infrastructure. Uh, yeah, uh, if we move into the front end, like uh, tools and uh, something we, what we can uh, yeah, actually uh, monitor the game where we can uh, see what's going on. Yeah, there's a lot of di different types of tools and these tools are mostly these days uh, implementing in the, the, the website, uh, in the web mm -hmm. browser. So yeah, there's are several technology for the, the web programming. Yeah, like a JavaScript yeah. or mm -hmm. yeah, uh, and even these days there's our uh, the 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 new uh, web assembly uh, programming <laughs> languages are coming out. So yeah, so yeah, maybe uh, you can think about that. And also there's our uh, very new coming out like uh, data, the very big data data pipeline uh, to find out. Uh, it's it's sometimes I feel like this data pipeline is more like. Uh, trying to spy the players. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> how, what do you have doing? But anyway, yeah, the, the data pipeline or sometimes we need uh, actual uh, AI system. Yeah, there's a lot of different types of uh, AIs and yeah, maybe we don't need to go very far like uh, uh, some, some very deep uh, learning or uh, machine learning, something like that. But yeah, at least there's are different types of uh, the AI systems uh, what we can uh, try to implement in. And yeah, uh, it also there's our, uh, isn't like uh, the testing is also quite important. There's a mm -hmm. lot of different types of testing tools and testing platforms and and even the testing, uh, there's our log testing, there's our functional testing, yeah. There's a unit testing, uh, different types of testing. So that's also another area uh, we need to have. So uh, it's like a live ops is, I think is kind of a um, showing up uh, on the stage uh, mm -hmm. to the audience. But uh, if you go behind the scene screen, then yeah, there's a lot of different things we need to do it. And sometimes we don't need everything. It's like uh, if you are running very small, uh, hyper casual mobile game, then probably you don't need to understand all the details of the, the, date, the player data, data pipeline. Yeah, just because the game is too easy. And then, yeah, the data pipeline could be very simple or you don't need an AI system on that. But still, uh, yeah, you may need uh, some different types of uh, the backend to help the, the live ops. Yeah. Would you say you need a game server to actually be able to do live ops? Or could you do it with just like a, a client side only game? Oh, uh, are you talking about the, the, the hardware or the software or the game server? Because some people use different terms of software. Well, I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, let's say I made a, a Unity game and everything's just kind of, you know, coded into it. There's no server connection for logging in. Um, you know, maybe it's like an idle game or something like that. And it just stores my values on the device itself. Could I actually do live ops in that game or would I need to actually have a, a server and everything, you know, communicating back and forth? And I know some ah. studios that are doing that and they don't have servers because it's going to add so much cost and they're already, you know, pretty slim margins or whatnot. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you have a servers and backend, then it will be much more easier to uh, have the live ops. But uh, even without the servers and yeah, your uh, backend, then yeah, I, I think you still can uh, do it. Like uh, example, if you need to update something, you still can. Yeah, uh, yeah, the the up yeah spread out uh with the next patch or something like that and and the live ops uh from my view the live ops is not uh actually the uh, what's that kind of a uh simultaneous time operation it's like uh, it mm -hmm. doesn't have to be like that it's like uh if isn't it's like a if we are uh, aiming to uh keep the retention of the game or mm -hmm. if we want the player to uh, spread out our brand to the, the other play, uh, people, then yeah, we still can try something with the, the game client only um, without the server, I think. Cool. Um, so you loop back just a little bit. So you, you were kind of talking about uh, data a lot and, and big data and stuff. Um, in your opinion, you know, how does or maybe should data play into live ops like how should it be recorded and and how can that actually be used I, i've seen a lot of companies that maybe they, they talk about data a lot and they record a ton of data but you know it, it doesn't seem like it's ever actually used so you know like what is the ideal of like what things should you record and then how can you actually use those to you know improve the gameplay experience mm, yeah I'm, I'm okay uh first of all i'm not uh, the data science, so I don't really uh, know how to analyze the data, but at least uh, because uh, mostly my work uh, is more close to how to sample, uh, what's that kind of uh, sampling the data? Yeah, something like that, get uh, collect and sampling the data uh, to help the data uh, analyzer to yeah, find out what they are interested in. Uh, but uh, it's like, uh, what I think this is just my own hypothesis. So uh, maybe uh, not all the people can agree on this, but it's like, a, uh, I love to find out some uh, rich things, uh, very different uh, kind of uh, sparks in the data or some empty uh, place, empty spots in the data or something like that, because yeah, it could be an error from the data system, or uh, it could be another chance for the live live service. Isn't it like a let's say uh, you have you, your game is doing some some yeah uh, event and yeah the people enjoy that, but uh, not everyone. And then you had some data, okay, uh, how they played it, how they, what, what is the progress, the, the, the yeah, when, how, how long they played it, or something like that. And we let's say you found out, okay, there's a, some empty spot. Yeah, the, yeah, some, some, these people's never played this, or yeah, there's our, uh, the, the gameplay, uh, yeah, between this and this is something looks like empty or yeah, everyone just played all of this event only or something like that. It's like a, if there is a, some uh, kind of a weird uh, output, then I think it can be a very good point for your live ops. If you want to keep your live service as usual, 
to just go. Uh, then maybe you can follow the, your normal data, uh, just average uh, with everything. But isn't it like a, these days, everything is quite highly competitive, uh, competed, uh, and it's like uh, everyone's uh, all the games are fighting each other. Uh, there's uh, only uh, yeah, the, the fixed number of uh, people <laughs> over the world. So we need to <laughs> bring, uh, we need to fight over the other game to bring customers to in to into the, our our game. So yeah, yeah, so if you find out some very funny data, then I think that can be start good start point to uh, make your game a bit different from the others. That's great. Okay, I want to shift gears a little bit because. I have you here and I have lots of questions. I want to talk a little bit about multiplayer tech. So, you know, my background, I'm, I'm a pretty competitive player. I enjoy playing with friends. Uh, I've never really been into completely single player games per se. Um, so multiplayer has always kind of fascinated me. Um, you know, let, let's say I'm maybe like a, a newer studio or a studio that is starting to look to want to maybe add some competitive or social aspects to the game or whatnot. Um, let's pretend I've decided that I'm going to launch a 2D tank game where the players can play with each other. Um, what sort of tech would I need to be able to do that? What sort of services, like if you were going to build that from scratch, like what would what would your process be to get that up and running? Okay, uh, just uh, only in the, the tech side. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the game itself, uh, yeah, need to have, uh, isn't it like uh, need to have some kind of a, uh, yeah, the 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 services and the system uh, to apply the people's. Uh, uh, what can I say for this? Um, actually, I think I I think uh, yeah, you asked the question, but uh, I think I have a, a bit different view on this. I mean. Mm. Uh, yeah, maybe this is not your uh, not the, the the correct answer for your question. But uh, let's try to tweak the the question like this. Is like uh, then what we really need to prepare uh, for the back. Uh, what we really need to prepare ourselves to uh, start to implement the services, uh, backend services, something like that. And uh, if the question is like that. Uh, I think uh, we have to think about our own strategy and plan of the service design. I really, uh, I talk quite a lot of times of service design. Uh, I, I, these days, I'm, I'm, I'm very uh, keen into uh, talking about this. And yeah, service design uh, is very important because it's, it's not technology. It's, it's not, not it, it doesn't uh, involve any, technology or technical side of view or something like that is the service design is more to uh, bring the the people into our uh how, it's like a, how can we uh, make our service uh, to align with our objective of our business yeah so let's say like that and it's like a service design. If if your service design is asking uh, you to, um, let's say, example, uh, if your game uh, want to be uh, top in your uh, top in your own genre of your multiplayer, 
Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, you have to think about, uh, okay, what, what, what we need to bring it into the game. Yeah. But it's like, uh, not all, not all the games are, uh, aiming only the number one is this. Like, uh, maybe we can just, for example, if, if your game is more like, a uh, pilot project, or if your game is more to, uh, be a kind of, uh, some, another, uh, supporting another uh, different games or some different objective. So example, yeah, this is quite tough, but yeah, example, if you your strategy is to just uh, be close with your customers, uh, actually, uh, okay, I think I can give you an example from my experiences. Like uh, uh, it was uh, only 2000 and, and there was a one uh, MMORPG I was making on it. Uh, as you know, the MMORPG is quite difficult and uh, quite a lot of uh, the, the effort to uh, make and service. Uh, but yeah, it was, yeah, yes, it was quite difficult for me too. And we found out, okay, uh, the people, the, the players are, were uh, a bit unsatisfied with our progress because the, the patch and the update was not that uh, often and it was not that fast enough because my team was a small team. Uh, so uh, we thought like, uh, okay, then how we can uh, give the player uh, a bit more uh, mm, spend their interest and time in the game without patching uh, all, without updating all the contents of the, the game. So we made a very small uh, kind of a, a fighting arena in the game. So we just let them, yeah, there was no rule. It's like uh, we just made a small box and uh, let the, pl- the player to just fight there. And yeah, suddenly after a few months, yeah, we found out, okay, players are only playing the game there. <laughs> we made a big <laughs> word. Uh, we made yeah. a big word, and there was, a, there was a quest. There was a lot of event, but it's like a, the, the people was making more fun and just fighting each other. Like, hey, yeah. what, what's going on? And yeah, actually, that uh, the, the um, why we made that small game mode in, the, in our... Uh, RPG was just to yeah uh, keep players to do something. It's like a, we didn't yeah. want to lose the, the players. And that was the objective. Yes, so we provided. But somehow, <laughs> yeah, at the <laughs> end, yeah, people feel, felt like a more interest in the, the fighting each other. And then yeah. we just bring it out the, the, that, that mode and we made a game. And actually that became much more bigger than the original game. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, a, yeah. So, okay, maybe I uh, went too far from your question, but it's like, a, uh, I think, uh, yes, the main main point of the live ops uh, is to start from the, the service design, what we really want to have. Isn't it like a, that small game mode? Uh, we actually, we achieved what we wanted uh, at the beginning. We didn't want that. Uh, we, we didn't expect uh, more revenues or more players to come in to the game. We just only wanted the player to enjoy themselves there. And yeah. yes, it was 
that was too much, but yeah, anyway, we achieved <laughs> the, our objective and yeah, uh, we just focus on the fighting. Yeah. We didn't provide anything else. Yeah. Just, we just let them to have a free fight and yeah, it worked. That's awesome. I love that a lot. Cool. Well, I, I know we're almost out of time here, but uh, I have one more uh, unofficial question because we are on the Master, Pod- Master Retention Podcast, I should say. I can speak, right? <laughs> uh, and, and that is, you know, what's one tip or trick you've kind of learned over the years to increase retention? Like, how do you keep players playing your games for longer? Uh, okay, I think this one is also quite tricky for me too, honestly. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, yeah, uh, uh, most of my game didn't uh, run that long time, <laughs> but at least uh, what I know is, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, uh, you really have to understand your players. I mean, uh, is this like, uh, even there is a, uh, similar game, but, uh, the player maybe not really same between the different games. It's like mm-hmm. an example. If it is this like a, uh, we know there's a lot of FPS uh, games uh, on the market, and yeah, it looks like just gun shooting, yeah. But actually, there's are uh, the people who love this game, who doesn't love this game, something like that. And you, I, I think the most important point is you need to understand, okay, what is the actual trigger point for the players? And then you have to develop that. Uh, you try to bring it uh, into a better stage, uh, continue that and yeah, uh, improve what you have. So uh, yeah, is, is uh, I think, that's the most important. And also you have to think about, okay, uh, how you are going to uh, keep your core players. It's like, a, yeah, uh, just a month ago, I was talking with one uh, very new uh, young people, young, young studio. Uh, they they just started uh, the development, game development. Uh, yeah. And they was, they are making the, Mm, small puzzle game and actually they asked me the, the, the quite similar question like uh, uh, <laughs> where we need to go something like that and yeah it's like uh, don't try to think where you uh, want to go or need to go it's like uh, try to think okay who you want to bring it into your game mm. yeah. so there's a two point yeah you have to bring the, the right person into your game yeah but uh, at the beginning uh, you have to spread out to anyone because isn't it like uh, there's are millions of billions of people uh, on the, the, the earth and it's very difficult to reach out uh, the, uh, the people who love your games. So at the beginning, try to bring anyone, but you have to filter out uh yeah, uh, the people who you really want to keep it, keep in your service. So at the beginning, probably your data will say like, example, if you if you want to uh, bring the, the 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 players who uh, let's say love flowers, yeah, yep. who love flowers, uh, age thirty ladies, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, we cannot just pinpoint them. 
So try to bring everyone. And then sometimes isn't at the beginning, probably uh, there will be more teenagers. <laughs> yeah. And probably you didn't expect the teenagers to do that, enjoy the game. But uh, <laughs> you have to think like that is like, uh, okay, uh, did I uh, misunderstood my game by myself? Uh, if it was more suitable for the teenagers or do I, I, do I really want to keep my concept of the game to try to appeal to the, the, the ladies of age 30s, something mm-hmm. like that. Then, yeah, you have to. So it's like a, your data, there is a data, but you have to think about, okay, how we can bring uh, the people how we can keep the people from those data. Yeah. So I think, yes. So it's like, uh, don't try to, uh, yeah, the, 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 the lead your game uh, where you just only want to go. It's like, uh, I think the more important thing is try to think how you can keep uh, your actual core players I love this. I think if for nothing else in this episode, like that gem of wisdom, I, I think is so profound. And I think that's something that, you know, is, you know, people are going to say, yeah, it makes sense, but it is so easy to forget that when you're like in the trenches. And so keeping that at, at the high level of what do my players actually want to do in here? I, I love that. Oh, Chris this has been so good. I, I really hope maybe we can have you back sometime for a, a panel or another episode or, or whatnot. Um, if people do want to get a hold of you in any way, um, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, sorry, again, please. Uh, if, if people do have, you know, questions or follow-ups afterwards, you know, what's the best way for them oh, to get a hold of you? Yeah. Uh, mm, I don't know. Uh, usually how theaters do, uh, maybe the email or something like that. Cool. All right. Yeah. Well, Chris, uh, thank you so much. This has been a, a delightful episode and I hope you have a great rest of the day. Yeah. Thank you very much. It was really uh, enjoyable. Yeah. It was really nice. Yeah. Have a nice day. Cool. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye.